In the name of Jesus, Amen. Dear Saints, All throughout Lent, we've been meditating on each person of the Holy Trinity and on the work of each person, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When I teach younger children and new members about the Creed, I oftentimes tell them of the summary that we find in Dr. Luther's large catechism. We can summarize the entire Creed like this. I believe in God the Father who created me, God the Son who redeemed me, and God the Holy Spirit who sanctifies me. Here we learn very simply who each person is and what each one has done. For the first week, we considered God the Father and creation uh, during this Lent. And for the second and third week of Lent, we considered the humiliation and exaltation of the Son for our redemption. And for the fourth week and fifth week, now this last time, we are considering the Holy Spirit. Last week, we considered the third person of the Holy Trinity, the Holy Spirit himself. We meditated on who he is in relation to the Father and the Son. And toward the end of the sermon, I spoke briefly about his work. Well, today, for the final midweek service of Lent, we consider the work of the Holy Spirit. We consider what it means that he sanctifies us. So, what does it mean? The root word of sanctify is the Latin word sanctus. Now, you know this very well, don't you? I mean, we haven't sung it for quite a number of weeks now, but the sanctus is that part of the liturgy, if you can remember, where we sing, Holy, 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 Lord God of Sabaoth. Uh, This comes from Isaiah 6 when Isaiah was in the temple and the Lord appeared to him and the angels were there singing this hymn to God while covering their faces. So sanctus simply means holy. That means whenever you see this prefix, uh, those five letters, S-A-N-C-T, whenever you see those letters begin a word, you know that it has to do uh, with making something holy, something about holiness. So when we talk about a sanctuary, we're talking about a holy place, a place where the Holy Spirit is, a place where the Holy Spirit does holy things and makes people holy. Now, uh, as a footnote here, this is why we don't do other things in the church or hold community events or sell things in the sanctuary or host the fight club or whatever it might be. Uh, There are a trillion places in the world where we can do anything and any one of those things. But the sanctuary is a holy place. It is set apart for the work of the Holy Spirit, the work of God. I'm going to say a little bit more on this before moving on. Uh, The the point is, is that it's not the wood and the brick and the mortar that we use to construct the church, that it's some sort of special type of material or, or, or that it's blessed or something like that. It's normal. It's ordinary. But it has been set apart for the unique and distinct purpose of being the place where God comes to us specifically to forgive our sins. We have a pulpit, right? And the purpose of this pulpit is that the word of God is preached. We won't allow false doctrine, man's opinion, or any such thing in this pulpit because we've reserved it and set it apart from all podiums in the place uh, to, to be the place where the pastor preaches the truth. The same goes for the lectern. 
and the Lord's Supper with the chalice. The cup, the chalice isn't special. It's not any different than any other cup, but we have set it apart. We have set that chalice apart so that the only purpose that cup would serve in its entire existence would be to hold the blood of Christ that is poured into our mouths. So it's an ordinary cup that has been designated for a special purpose. All right. Now, with all that being said, what does it mean to be sanctified? It means to be made holy. It means to be set apart. So you are just like any other human being. There's nothing special about your DNA or your chromosomes or your blood that makes you holy. You are a normal human being that has been set apart so that the Holy Spirit could dwell in. You have normal ears, but those ears become holy when they're dedicated and filled, dedicated to and filled with the Word of God. Even more, you aren't made holy by your own works or your feelings. You are made holy by God. Remember Jesus' high priestly prayer? It's the prayer he prayed before he died. And, and this is what he said. He prayed this. I am not asking that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. He said that in John chapter 17, verse 17. The point is this. God is the one doing the sanctifying. He sanctifies us. And the second point is this. He sanctifies us by the truth. And what is that truth? His word. So this means that anything that the Lord himself has attached his word to becomes holy. The water used for baptism is not special water. It's water that we use straight from the drinking fountain or the faucet. And yet, this water, while it remains plain, ordinary H2O, at the same time is different and better than any other water in the world at that very moment because right in that moment, the Lord has promised to forgive our sins through it. He attaches his word to it. The same is true of the bread and wine in communion. It's not special bread or wine. But when the word of the Lord is spoken on it, when it consecrates it, then even while it remains normal bread and wine, the Lord has promised to be present in his body and his blood to forgive our sins through it. These things remain holy as long as the word is there. And the same is true for you. It's through these things that the Holy Spirit grants us faith in Christ. And this is how you become a holy person. You become holy when the Holy Spirit gives you the faith through these things to believe that Christ is all of your righteousness, that his death on the cross removed all of your sin and your guilt, and that you will stand before the throne of God without fear or shame or guilt because you have been forgiven through Christ the Lord. Since God the Holy Spirit has bound himself to the word, the word of God, therefore, is never dead or dull or boring. When I first started out as a pastor, well, 
I mean, what am I saying? I'm still starting out as a pastor. <laughs> but uh, w when I was first starting out as a pastor uh, many, many years ago, about four, I was sharply criticized by some uh, for doing everything by the book, right? I, I was even told that Zion is a dead church and that the Holy Spirit is not active in this church. And when I asked how this person came to that conclusion, uh, he, he said, it's because you do everything by the book and it's boring. I don't feel anything in church and I don't get anything out of your sermons. Well, later I found out that the idea he had behind all of this was that the Bible was just an old, dusty, dead, boring, out-of-date book and that it was the pastor's job in his mind to make it alive and exciting and relevant and up-to-date. Well... That's not my job, and that's not the job of any pastor, because no one can make the Word of God do anything, not even the angels of heaven. You can't add to the Word or subtract from its power, but, but more than that, thanks be to God, the power of God's Word does not rest in the one speaking it. The power of God's Word comes from God Himself. Pastors don't make the Bible exciting or real or better. The Bible is true. It is God's word. It is real. It is up to date. It is relevant and it is powerful no matter what. It doesn't matter if the preacher has a dull and boring personality. That doesn't matter a bit. What matters is the word that he speaks. If the preacher is faithful to the word, then the word has power. That's precisely what Hebrews chapter 4 says. It says this, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Do you see that? The, the Word of God is living and active. By itself, that's what it is. It doesn't matter how you read it, where you read it, who reads it, what you experience when it's being read or heard, or what feelings you get or don't get when you speak or hear it. It is living and active, period. That means... There is never, never a service or a sermon or a reading or Bible study where God isn't speaking. As long as his word is there, he is working. It is living and it is active. So the question is not whether God is speaking. The question is, are you listening? The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. The sharpest sword in the world can only cut through flesh and bone, but the word of God cuts through your spirit and your soul. The word of God is able to cut away the spiritual barriers and debris that stands between you and God. And when you hear the word of God, Every time you hear the word of God, God is active in that moment. 
He is cutting away everything else and revealing the condition of your heart. Oftentimes, people will come up to me after the service or text me during the week and say, Look, Pastor, I feel like you preached that sermon just to me. Or, Pastor, that sermon was exactly what I needed to hear. Or something along those lines. And, and at first, I thought, well, of, of course, that's because of me. I preached well. I'm good. And then I thought, no, that's not right. It's probably because of them. And I realized, no, that's not right either. It's not because of me or them, the preacher or the hearer. It's because of the Holy Spirit. When you feel convicted of your sin during the sermon, don't think that it's because the pastor is especially good at convicting people. And don't think it's because you're just vulnerable and feeling sensitive that day. No, understand that when you are convicted of your sin and you know your own guilt, it's because the Holy Spirit is working in you and pointing out your sin and convicting you of it. That's what John chapter 16 speaks of. The Holy Spirit will convict the world in regard to sin, righteousness, and judgment. And just as the Holy Spirit works through the word of the law, so too he works through the word of the gospel. And he not only convicts you of your sin, but he also gives you the faith you need to rely upon Jesus your Savior. To rely upon the one who has forgiven all of your sins and has taken away your guilt. Your faith, your faith is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. When you hear the word of God and you believe it, when you trust in the merits of Christ for your salvation, when your heart relies upon the wounds of Jesus and finds redemption in him, in his suffering and in his death and resurrection, it is not because you did anything or you moved yourself. It's because the Holy Spirit has called you by the gospel and enlightened you with his gifts. That is what the Holy Spirit does. That is his work. And he does it through the word of God. So that's your God. And you have so much to be thankful for. Because your God never sits idly by. He didn't just hand you a gigantic instruction manual to life as some people refer to the Bible. He didn't just create you and then leave you to figure life out on your own. He gives you his word even right now. And he is always acting and moving and cutting and mending at each and every time you hear the word. Even if you don't feel or think he is, God is always active even if you aren't. And he is with you through his word. If you want to know, if you ever want to know what the Lord thinks of you, don't ever look at your situation or your experience or even your own feelings. God does not speak to you through any of that. You look to the word of God, which points you to the wounds of Jesus on the cross. And that is is what the Lord thinks of you. That he gave his only begotten son in exchange for you, for your life. 
And that remains true even if everything around you changes. Even if you change, that remains true. Even if your feelings and your emotions all change, if everyone abandons you, those words of the gospel remain true and they will last forever. Christ thinks that you were worth every moment of pain and sadness he endured. And the Holy Spirit brings you this word not just once, but day in and day out. Every day, every day in the word, he is cutting out the sin from you and he is replacing it with good works. Now, you, you know you will never be perfect in this life. But the day is coming when you will be. And on that final day, God will raise you from the dead and give you the eternal life that he has wanted you to have. On that day, you will no longer need to repent, no longer need to be forgiven, no longer need to have hope or even faith anymore. Because the work that the Holy Spirit has begun in you will be brought to completion. It will be finished. And he will make you perfectly holy as he is holy. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.